let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Seven, six, five. How you doing today, Justin? I'm good, man. <laughs> the pleasures of live broadcasting. That's that's fine. I, I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm uh, doing good. Totally sticking my uh, foot in my mouth there, so I do apologize for that. Um, but anyways, Joseph, thank you so much for for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. And I really want to know what is your story. Well, you know, uh, I, I think it starts off uh, in a, a way that a lot of people can relate to. You know, I I, uh, I joined the Marine Corps out of high school, uh, you know, did that and then uh, got out, went to college uh, because that's just what you do. OK, uh, got out of college, got a job in, in corporate finance, corporate America, because, you know, that's just what you do. Uh, hated my job, didn't enjoy it. Uh, basically, you know, sitting there like a zombie zoning out uh, for eight hours a day. So a third of my life. Uh, just waiting for retirement, you know, waiting for the future. Uh, but I did it because you need money to pay for things uh, to, to make you, yourself happy. That's just what you do. Uh, and it wasn't until, uh, you know, about six years into that, that I, I started seeing, you know, some of these, uh, some of these online uh, entrepreneurs start coming up, uh, blogging, some of these other things uh, online that, you know, used to be, kind of a, a question mark you used to tell uh, you tell people you were thinking about it and they would say really is that a thing can you really make money doing that uh, but they started really coming up and really being legitimate businesses so in uh, in 2012 I actually started uh, started my own websites started a, a few blogs on that in 2000 and uh, built those up and actually went full-time in in 2014 on that and then in uh, 2017, I actually added a YouTube channel to it. And uh, the, the growth has just been explosive. Uh, so I uh, really just doubled, doubled my monthly income on that, uh, that YouTube channel. And I love it. You know, it's uh, being able to break that mold and uh, go outside, you know, think outside the box and uh, create your own business assets, have that control over, over my own financial future, what I make, uh, you know, on a monthly basis is uh, it's just so liberating and, and I'm doing what I enjoy doing. You know, I'm not uh, punching numbers in a spreadsheet anymore. I, I get to talk about what I want to talk about. I get to connect with people uh, more closely and uh, you know, it's a great experience. That's awesome. So what do you see as the up and coming new technology? Well, you know, I, I've never been uh, much of a futurist. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm maybe just not that perspective, per, uh, perceptive, but what I will tell you is, uh, you know, there are things coming out that will amplify 
uh, a lot of the technologies we already have. Okay, so uh, you know, I was actually late to the YouTube game. YouTube started in uh, you know 2006, 2007. There, people actually started using the platform, uh, and it's grown into a legitimate uh, you know business asset online. Uh, but it's still even new in that evolution of that platform. Uh, and what we've got coming out with 5G is just going to be exponential growth, explosive growth in, uh, in the use of, of video online, I think. So, uh, so I definitely think you know, people, people need to start uh, thinking about how they're going to use video in their, uh, in their online marketing, in their online businesses, and, uh, and really get ready for that 5G explosion. So by 5G, you mean what exactly? Uh, well, it's the, uh, and you know, not a tech person, but uh, it's the new, uh, it's the new model in, uh, in, in mobile, uh, mobile streaming, right? Isn't it where, where uh, mobile right now, when you're using your mobile and it's five, yeah, it's 5G it, right now, when you're using your mobile device, then you have to send a signal from your phone to a tower and, uh, you know, and that's how you get your signal back and forth with 5G then uh, any like connected devices can talk to each other. So you can get signals from, uh, you know, from your phone to someone else's phone. And basically what that does, it decreases the time it takes to, uh, for that signal to pass back and forth. You know, you might not realize it, but uh, uh, whenever, when your signal, when that signal goes from your phone to the, to the tower, to the nearest tower, uh, that's actually uh, quite a big lapse in, in that data going back and forth. So when you, uh, when you de- decrease that distance by, you know, factors of, of 10, then, um, I mean, the 5G, the speeds on 5G are, are just are said to be, you know, upwards of what, 10, maybe 100 times faster than the, the 4G technology we're using right now. So basically what that's going to allow people to do is, is real time. Uh, and, uh, and like I said, everything seems real time now. Uh, you know, we're able to, to stream a live conversation thousands of miles apart from each other. But it's not real time. There is a lot of uh, a lot of lag in that data. Well, with five G, it's going to be truly five time uh, live streaming, truly uh, real time. You know, I've I've seen people are talking about uh, usages of five G, and they're talking about uh, doctors are going to be able to do uh, virtual surgeries on someone from a distance. So you could have a doctor in L.A. doing a surgery with robotics on someone in New York. Uh, that is how sophisticated this is going to be. And uh, so, so, yeah, not only, uh, not only the, uh, the, the, the implications for video and online marketing, but, but obviously so many other industries are going to be affected by this, uh, by this development. That's incredible. I can't even wait to see how that's going to play with virtual reality and where that's going to go. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, right now, you know, virtual reality, there is so much that goes on uh, within the software of that and so much processing that needs to be done that, uh, that, yeah, you, those lags uh, just create a, uh, you know, a false, a falsity uh, in the, uh, in the experience. But when you have truly real time uh, data going back and forth, and uh, it's just, it becomes real. It becomes that virtual reality that I think a lot of us are, are looking forward to. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that because when I, when I grew up, I played a ton of video games. <laughs> and, you know, I always, I always really liked them. Um, I actually had a little bit of trouble putting them away. But the one thing that I felt was always missing was that element of really being there, like really being in it. 
in, in feeling like you're immersed, like the uh, being able to fly or being able to, you know, shoot electricity out of your hand, you know, just something, something cool, like superhero stuff, right? Like that is, that to me has so many implications that are so like so farther reaching than just the game. Like you were saying, I mean, I I mean, think, think about having this conversation, but in virtual reality, sitting right next to each other. I mean, the, the possibilities are limitless. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that's uh, one thing that I think, uh, I think people really need to be, uh, to be waiting for it and to be expecting it and to build that into, uh, you know, what you're, how you're preparing for it. Uh, that combined with uh, this, this uh, self-driving technology that's being developed. Uh, I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be surprised by, uh, you know, by self-driving cars. Uh, they've already got trucks, commercial trucks, that are going coast to coast without a driver. Now, in the test cases here, we're, we're seeing uh, drivers behind the wheel or maybe in the, uh, in the bed behind, uh, but not physically touching the wheel. So the technology is already there for a truck to drive by itself from coast to coast. And, and of course, you know, what does that mean for the uh, tens of thousands of, of people that count on truck driving as their occupation? Uh, so, you know, and uh, with that 5G technology, of course, the, uh, the, the ability to do those, uh, that self-driving uh, applications becomes more and more real because one of the things holding them back right now is that latency in the data. You know, obviously, if you've got a car making self-driving decisions, then it has to be, you know, not even split second, a thousandth, a, a millionth of a second uh, uh, correct correction uh, in the data. And that's not, not possible without this 5G technology. Uh, so, so yeah, you need to be aware of of these these different types of technology coming uh, coming forward, and how that's going to affect your job, your life, uh, society in general, and, and you know, position for that. Well, I also think that um, you know that that's kind of going into an, an ongoing debate at you know at the time of this recording of, or at least sentiment on on multiple sides from multiple different angles of technology replacing um replacing work replacing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um jobs that people have and you know we've seen time and time again how that's happened and we've also seen new jobs be created that have to do with you know built on top of that technology as well you know so it's like so it's like how do you see these technologies that that you're um, seeing coming up in the future, um, how do you see that really affecting individuals on a on a you know uh, occupation level? Sure. Well, uh, like I said, you just have to uh, you have to understand uh, what's the likelihood of 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 the technology coming forward. What what are the applications? And uh, you know, if you're in one of these kind of at risk occupation. So obviously, you know, anybody driving a truck, uh, a lot of the, uh, and it's a lot of the, the, uh, the menial uh, labor or, or uh, unskilled labor jobs. Uh, so, so, you know, checkout clerks already being replaced with those self checkouts. Uh, but, you know, with a lot of this, uh, this AI uh, technology, that's obviously just going to, uh, going to expand, you know, uh, Amazon already has stores that are completely cashierless. Uh, so you look at some of these and you compare that to what you're doing and you really see the need to, uh, for, for a lot of people to, to start some of these, uh, you know, an online business or uh, one, of the, one of the things that I'm really a proponent of uh, on the channel and on my blogs is, 
is yeah, for starting that side hustle, starting that online business uh, and really growing your income, uh, you know, to, uh, to have that income security, that income insurance. Okay. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, they talk about uh, the, the financial independence uh, movement, the financial independence retire early. Right. And they talk about it in the sense of making money and being able to retire early and being wealthy. But there's another aspect of that, uh, of that whole movement where you're creating an online business or you're, you're creating a, a side hustle where you're making a little bit extra money. It's that side of uh, that in, income insurance. Okay. So when, when the robots do come and take your job, uh, then, uh, then you've got, uh, you've got that income insurance, you've got something to fall back on. So I think so important to, uh, you know, even for people that, that you, you don't necessarily think that your job can be replaced by, by some of these technologies, uh, just, you know, just, just uh, look, look around what you can do online uh, through your own business. It doesn't have to be a, a large, you know, 40 or 60 hour a week job. Uh, spend five, 10 hours a week creating that online business, creating that side hustle and, uh, you know, and, and protect yourself really. Do you ever think we could get to a point where artificial intelligence has taken over so many different things that we almost don't have to work as people. We can just kind of do whatever we want and the machines will kind of do everything for us. Well, you know, I mean, given, given a long enough timeline, of course, that's, that's the inevitability. Uh, you know, obviously uh, the, the technology is moving in that direction. Who's to say, or who's to know how long it, it would take for something like that to happen now. And, and, you know, I, I don't know that it's within any of our lifetimes that, that it's going to happen. But, uh, but the idea is just that, uh, you know, besides uh, creating your own, uh, your own wealth drivers to, uh, to, to make that, that income security, but also, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously the only people that are going to survive in that time are the people that own the assets, you know, the, the people that you know, own stock in those companies, uh, those robotics companies or, or people that, uh, you know, own, own the robotics co companies themselves or, or the assets that, uh, that do that work. You know, uh, unfortunately, again, I think a lot of people at the, uh, the, lower, uh, the lower end of the spectrum, the unskilled labor and that, that is actually getting replaced by these technologies, they're just going to be left out. You know, so, so obviously that's a social, uh, you know, social questions that need to be answered as far as uh, a livable income or a livable wage for, for them, even if there's not necessarily anything for them to do. Uh, but, you know, that's for, that's for the sociologists, I guess, to, uh, to answer and, and the, the politicians. What really sparked your interest in finance? Like what, what attracted you to, to finance? You know, I, I mean, it's been so, so long ago. Uh, I think it was probably just the money. Uh, I, I saw finance as a, uh, you know, one is obviously a, a sector that uh, where you can make a lot of money. Uh, and, and part of the reason why I went into uh, as a, as an equity analyst. Uh, so I worked with uh, some of the wall street firms, venture capital firms, uh, analyzing investments. Uh, but also, you know, just the, uh, just the challenge of it. I think uh, it's a, it's a very challenging and demanding uh, industry to uh, obviously so many people, millions of people out there are, are analyzing the, their own investments or, or using a portfolio manager. So uh, I, I think I saw it as uh, something where, where, you know, you could, you could work hard, you could do the analysis and, and really set yourself apart and, and challenge yourself. I hear all the time from entrepreneurs who they talk about how 
most people don't understand how money works or people just don't do the same things. Most people don't do the same things as the wealthy. And then you read different, different books like the intelligent investor, you know, that, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to paraphrase Graham, but, but to some extent, most people aren't investing intelligently. Right. And so I feel like there's a lot of sentiment of some people, a very few number of people saying most people don't know what they're doing with their money. Um, But then there's, there are a lot of people who are in the financial um, world, the financial industry. And so it would seem like, those people do know what's going on or, or, or do understand how money works. So do you think that most people don't understand how money works or like, what do you think is the reality of the situation about, about money and how much people understand about money and, and how people, how much people understand finance in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think it is one of the, one of the tragic truths of our society. And all you have to do is look at that income e- inequality that, uh, that everybody always talks about and points to, uh, to see that it's obvious that the vast majority of people, and, and I don't know if I can put a, a percentage on it. I, I'm sure it's more than half, or it seems like it's more than half, uh, that are basically, you, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're working their nine to five. They're, uh, they're pretty much spending most of, of what they earn, if all of it, uh, so they never create those assets. They never buy, uh, buy those assets as far as investing or creating their own business or, or that kind of thing. They're, they're pretty much stuck, you know, uh, and then you look at the other side where you don't, you don't even need to be in the finance sector uh, to, to understand personal finance, to understand, you know, just some basic habits and some basic rules of uh, saving, uh, investing, creating your own online or creating your own assets, creating your own business wealth. Uh, to, to really be in that, you know, in, in that other 20%, let's call it. Um, and, and it's interesting if you, if you actually look, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about how, how people build that wealth, how the rich get rich uh, from, from this, other side, this other side of the population. They think, you know, they're, they're going after penny stocks and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're placing big bets in the stock market. And if you actually look at a survey of, uh, of what, what the wealthy you do with their money, where they invest it and what they, what they use it on, uh, the vast majority have, uh, so I, I think the average is around uh, 57% of their money in their own business or uh, in you know, startup businesses, directly invested in other businesses, not necessarily stocks, but uh, directly invested in other small businesses. Uh, and then, you know, a, a large, another large portion around uh, 20, 25% is in bonds. So very safe fixed income. Uh, and then maybe 10 or 15% in cash, uh, which, you know, if you, if you ask most people, they would say, oh, well, you know, I, I assume the rich have so much more money in stocks, making money, uh, making those double digit returns or, or whatever you see on CNBC. Uh, and that's just not the case. You know, you, you, uh, I'd like to say, look at your investments, your investing account as a really nice savings account. Okay. You might get seven, 8% return, but it's not going to rank you rich. Okay. It's a good place to, to put your money, uh, you know, if, while you're not creating those business assets and, and, and really creating that real wealth, but investing is never going to make you rich. Okay. To do that, you really do need to be creating your own business, buying those assets, growing those assets that are, that are going to produce profits. Okay. Uh, and so I think that's a, a huge misconception that we have between, you know, the, the largest part of the population that, that um, you know, even if they're spending 
some tight ends and try to get try to get there, they still have these misconceptions about what it means to actually grow grow your wealth and, and become wealthy. So, what sort of assets could normal people build or, or grow? Sure. sure. Well, you know, I mean, we live in in an amazing time for that. Uh, a time where you know it costs rel- almost nothing, negligible uh, amounts of money to to create an online business, right? Uh, for example, uh, twenty years ago, to create a retail uh, a retail business. So I'm talking, you know, a manufacturing a line of jeans, uh, selling them to a national audience. It would have been millions, millions of dollars to buy the manufacturing equipment, the factories, uh, branding, legal, every, all everything like that. Now you can start with five thousand uh, dollars by a uh, you know by maybe three thousand three or four thousand dollars worth of uh, of your product, uh, put it on Amazon and have your own retail operation. You know uh, you can basically uh, through Amazon FBA is what it's called. Is you outsource with a uh, you contract with a manufacturer usually abroad. Uh, they will manufacture your product, slap your brand on it, so your stickers. You have you know your name on on the jeans on the butts of jeans all across America. Uh, they ship it directly to Amazon warehouses, and you sell it right out of there. So you never even have to see your product, uh, but you sell it directly uh, online to a well an international uh, audience. It's for for you know often less than five thousand uh, dollars. Starting a website, you know the digital real estate. It costs less than three dollars a month to uh, to run a website. Um, you know, and so there, there's, there's other things that you can invest in that business, uh, for, but you know, when you're, when you're talking about creating an online business for less than, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month, that is something that is well within the reach of anyone out there. Okay. 20 bucks a month. That's, uh, that's, you know, two less drinks when you go out, uh, you know, with your friends each week. Okay. Uh, or in any single week. Um, and that just wasn't possible, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, to, to create a, a retail store or really any kind of a business, you would have needed tens of thousands of dollars in startup money. So, uh, so, so yeah, you know, starting a website, starting on Amazon FBA, uh, you know, self-publishing, uh, you know, it used to be, it used to be to publish a book was, was, you know, basically uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, impossible for most people. Uh, even if you had a great idea, uh, you, you still couldn't get that okay from a publisher uh, which in turn would have to spend, you know, tens of thousands for printing and distribution and everything. Now, you know, all you need is, is a couple of months, write out your book, publish it on, on Amazon uh, for, for nothing uh, for free. And, uh, you know, you've got online assets. You've got assets that are creating wealth for you every single month. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got 10, 10 books, uh, actually an 11th book coming out pretty soon uh, for self-publishing that, uh, that makes a little over 2000 a month. Uh, and it's passive income. You know, I've created the books; uh, they're on Amazon for sale, and and they 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 uh, they generate that income every single month. So it seems like to to create the assets, we actually actually need to deploy time and capital. So sure. when we're deploying well, our time, I, I'd I'd say it's not it's not so much uh, it's not so much the capital anymore. Uh, I, I think there's a reason why. Uh, they call this the knowledge economy, right? Because, uh, you know, like I said, 10, 20 years ago, it was very much the, the capital economy where you would need hundreds of thousands even to, uh, to start your own company, uh, start a retail company or even millions. 
But now in this knowledge economy, it's basically just, uh, you know, what you can take out of your brain and, and sure. And that's that time that it takes to, uh, to, to produce that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I guess what, what my question is, is not everybody who starts a YouTube channel is going to, you know, be able to turn it into thousands of dollars of passive income every month. Not sure. everybody's going to be able to, uh, maybe, maybe they do. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I just don't think that everybody who has, has gotten there and it may not have been their intention, but you know, when it, when it comes to really like a building, sustainably building assets that can compound over time and help you grow your wealth, like really build long-term wealth. I mean, is that, is that something that is really achievable for everybody do you think? I, I think it is. I think it is. Now, now of course, there's always going to be uh, hurdles uh, for people. Uh, 10, 20 years ago in a capital uh, capital economy, it used to be the capital. You know, you had to have money. You had to make have money to, to, to invest it or, or to, to make money, right? Uh, in this knowledge economy, you have to have that knowledge to, uh, to, to be able to produce these assets. Well, the thing is, you know, and, and I feel like uh, a lot of people are, are stuck in that limited, uh, limited mindset of, uh, you know, they don't have the time to do something or, or they're, they're not tech people or, or, you know, all, all the things that go on inside your head to, uh, to limit what you can actually do. But, you know, f- f- let's be honest, uh, there, everything is online. Everything is online. It's, it's basically free, uh, for the most part to learn something. So, so yeah, it might take a month or two to learn how, you know, how to market, how to grow a blog. Uh, it might take a month or two watching some of these, uh, some of these channels on YouTube about how to, how to start and grow a YouTube channel. Uh, but it is, it is well within the reach of anyone out there. Okay. Uh, I can tell you from my personal experience, this is not rocket science science. Okay. Um, if I can do it truly, truly anyone can, because, uh, you know, I, I am not a, uh, a genius in any sense of the word. So, so yeah, it takes that dedication to, uh, you know, to, to build that knowledge in something uh, to, to be able to grow these assets. But like I said, it, it's never been more achievable by, uh, by, by the common person. You know, you no longer have to be born into a, a wealthy uh, family with lots of capital. You can just go online and, uh, you know, learn what you need to learn. And, and there you are. It's pretty cool. It, it is an amazing time. It is really. So I believe that as part of your background, um, you're, you were talking about being in private equity. Sure. What were your experiences there and what were some of the key takeaways that have been most helpful to you moving forward? Okay. Uh, well, I, I think a lot of the, a couple of things, uh, one is, is just kind of the, the fast pace and, uh, the, uh, the kind of personality it takes to be successful in that environment. Uh, it is very much a, a day on, stay on, uh, 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 hard charger kind of environment, right? So, so you know, as an equity analyst, you're expecting, especially for those f- first few years, until maybe maybe you uh, reach a, a portfolio manager role or something like that, you're working uh, 10, 12 hours a day at least, and sometimes you know during a, a little bit busier busier time, up to 16 hours a week. Uh, so it is very challenging. It is very high, fast paced, uh, and, and I think it really teaches you to, uh, you know, to, to do what needs to be done, frankly, uh, to, to, uh, 
sacrifice your time, sacrifice uh, maybe some of the other things that you want to do to be able to, to succeed. Uh, so that was one of the things. Uh, one thing that, that I think has helped me just in my role as a, as a personal finance uh, person, uh, you know, through YouTube is just some of the same things that I've seen in Wall, on Wall Street that, uh, that, that is really kind of uh, feeding into the misconceptions that people have about, about investing and making money. You know, there are a lot of uh, uh, lies perpetrated by, uh, you know, by the larger banks, by Wall Street that, uh, you know, actually really serve to, uh, serve to keep, people, keep people poor. Uh, the, the idea of that you have to be stock picking to, to be investing, uh, the idea that, you know, you can't be investing, you, you can't do your own investing, things like that, that, uh, that, that really serve no one except for the people with the information, you know, the people, the brokers and, and the agents and the, the analysts that are able to sell, you know, sell the information that they want to sell. Uh, so so it's, it's one thing that I've been able to take to the blogs, to the YouTube channel to, to really, you know, show, show people how anyone can invest uh, some of the truths to investing and what investing is really about. Um, so not necessarily something that is, that has helped me in my career, but, but something that I've been able to, uh, to share with, with other people. Let's talk about some of those truths of investing that most people don't know. Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think, uh, you, you got to understand that, that investing has become really has become an entertainment industry. Okay. Uh, investing uh, on you know channels like CNBC blogs uh, all the the online financial media it is really about selling ad dollars and selling brokerage fees right so so to do that they need to keep you excited they need to keep you scared about uh, you know about picking stocks or about the economy or about the stock market that's why you see so much uh, you know so so much uh, information about a stock market crash or uh, you know, all the articles, all, all the, all the information or the analysis on uh, stocks that are going to be 10 baggers, right. That are going to multiply your money by 10 times. And that's not real. that's not real, real investing. Okay. That's uh, that's closer to gambling in fact, than it is real investing. Uh, real investing is uh, you know, just, just uh, putting your money regularly into an investment account uh, using what I call a, a core satellite strategy of investing, which is basically just investing, you know, maybe 70, 75% of your money into a small group of, uh, of funds. Okay. So maybe your, your exchange traded funds that give you exposure to, to stocks, to bonds and to real estate. Uh, you're going to hold hundreds of stocks, hundreds of bonds and stuff in these funds and not going to have to worry about it. It's going to give you a, a market rate of return. Uh, and then, you know, if you do want to pick stocks, then you can take that other 20 or 30% of your money and, and pick a small handful of stocks. But that's not really the, uh, that's not really the, the core of your, uh, of, of your investing strategy, right? Uh, I know a lot of people that do very well just investing in maybe three to five funds. Uh, they don't worry about their money. They put money into their account every, uh, every month. And, uh, you know, they let the stock market do what, it's, what it does best. They have their job and do what they do best and they don't even worry about it. You know, you do not need to follow uh, stock market advice. You don't need to turn on CNBC for three hours a day to pick up 10 stock picks. Okay. Uh, that's not what investing is, is really about. That's huge. That's huge because I feel like so much of the daunting nature of investing is like, I don't know what to pick. I don't know what to do. I'm going to mess it up. I have to be right. I have to keep picking all the winners, you know, and sure, sure. you it's, know, it's that, all a lot. 
It's, it is all a lie. It's, it's, it's designed to keep you either scared or excited uh, to keep you trading in and out of stocks because that's a, that's a commission each time you trade on, on a stock investing platform and for these sites and for these channels to sell ad dollars. You know, uh, uh, obviously those, those commissions uh, generate huge ad, uh, ad dollars for, for these sites. And uh, that's what investing is about anymore. Uh, so, so there are definitely a lot of misconceptions, I think, perpetrated by, by people in the financial media to, uh, you know, to, to, to generate that, that money. Well, I think that's awesome that you are taking your knowledge from the inside at the heart of finance, like inner finance and, and bringing it to the people. Cause I think it's really important and not enough people really know or, or, you know, have ever been exposed to that information. Sure. No, they, they see, they, they see CNBC, they see, uh, they see, uh, you know, any kind of a financial website and, and that's all they see is that stock pick, you know, okay. I have to spend an hour today learning, you know, five stocks that to, to pick or, or, you know, how to pick stocks myself. And it's just not necessary. You know, uh, investing is, is uh, treated as a, a very solid savings account where you put your money in every month. Uh, you don't aim for those 20 or 40% returns. You, you, you get a respectable seven to 10% return every, every year. And, uh, you know, even at 7%, your money is going to uh, double every, like, it's like, it's like every 10 years. Uh, so you keep putting money, money in, it's going to double every, every 10 years and, and you're going to be very well off. So what happens when the whole market crashes mm-hmm. and, and this, um, sounds kind of like an index of, the market, the whole market goes down. What happens at that point? Nothing. <laughs> you keep on, you keep on investing, and the market always goes up. Okay, there's there's two truths to uh, to the stock market. The market's going to go down, and the market's going to go up. Uh, you know, over the long term, it's just going to keep on going up. Okay, now now that does obviously uh, uh, hold a. Uh, you know, a rule in there where you need to uh, you need to understand how your age, uh, how your how your age influences how you invest. Okay, so for anyone with with more than five or ten years of investing left, anyone with more than five or ten years until they're going to be needing that money or, uh, in retirement or, or whatever, uh, they can you can invest just in, in general the stock market, bonds, real estate, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and you don't have to worry about it because in any five or 10 year period, stocks are going to fall, but, but they'll, they'll end up rebounding and you'll end up making money uh, for anyone within that, you know, five or 10 year period, then obviously, yeah, you do need to be uh, to have more, more in bonds, more in uh, maybe real estate, just to kind of smooth out those stock market ups and downs. Uh, so, so there is, there is a, uh, you know, a school of thought that, uh, so younger investors are going to have maybe, maybe, 60% of their money in stocks, maybe another 20, 25% in real estate. Uh, and, and you can do that within, uh, in real estate investment trusts, which are companies that trade just like stocks. Uh, so, so you don't have to necessarily be managing your own properties. Uh, and then the rest, you know, maybe, maybe 10, 15% in bonds. Uh, and then slowly, gradually over the decades, as you move closer to, uh, you know, 55, 65, then you, uh, you shift that money from stocks into bonds and maybe into a little bit more into real estate. Uh, but that's really, that's really the only thing you need to do for, for investing. Uh, that is, 
the uh, you know the the extent of of what you need to do for an investing strategy. It's not you know picking the next the next high flying uh, Netflix or Apple or, or anything like that. It's it's basically just adjusting how much you hold in stocks, bonds, and real estate throughout your lifetime. Well, that's significantly simpler than it is. Uh, what, it, what it would appear to be, and it almost seems like um, we're deploying um, a dollar cost averaging strategy which is that putting in every single month to where when you may be putting in, you know, let's say $500 a month, well, that $500 may buy you one unit of, of security one month, but then it may buy you four another month. But over time, that averages out to where you don't have to pick the right time. You don't have to time it. You actually get to just kind of ride the market up and down. And when it's lower, you get more bang for your buck. So then when it goes back up, you're actually um, taking advantage of when it did go down, which will sure, kind of sure. offset. Going and, I, and I think that's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great outlook to have on, on investing. You know, uh, if you're investing the same amount every month or every, every few months, then, then yeah, you know, when stocks fall, when stock prices fall, then that sucks because the, the value of your portfolio is going to fall, but, but you're on able sale. to buy more. Yeah. You're able to buy more with that same amount. And, uh, and like I said, eventually the, you know, the stock market always rebounds and hits new highs. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's an opportunity really. Um, one thing I will say about dollar cost averaging is that, you know, if you're doing it in a single stock. So, so what I recommend again is, is putting the vast majority of your money in these funds uh, that are going to be holding hundreds or even thousands of stocks in, in each one. Uh, so you don't have to worry too much about any particular stock uh, really crashing and or going and destroying your, your wealth there. Uh, if you are investing in a single individual stock, then, you know, there's a, uh, there's a very attempting, uh, attempting trap to fall into with dollar cost averaging, where you are throwing more and more money into this stock. And, uh, you know, eventually you have so much of your, of your wealth invested in this one company that, uh, that, that it can potentially destroy, you know, destroy your, your, your entire portfolio. Uh, so I, I usually recommend, you know, if you are investing in individual stocks, hold no more than, than probably 5% of your, of your total wealth in any single stock. Okay. Um, so maybe, maybe you can, you start investing in a stock and uh, you put some money to it. Maybe it ends up, maybe it, it ends up being a percent, maybe 2% of your total wealth in there. Then yeah, you can dollar cost average uh, to where you have up to 5% of your money in this single company. But, uh, but beyond that 5%, just, just don't fall, fall into that because, uh, you know, there, there are, uh, very, very good companies that have become very big financial traps for people. Uh, you only have to look at, uh, the coal producers, uh, a few years ago, uh, most of them went bankrupt before they, before they were able to dig, dig, dig themselves out. Uh, GE, I think just over the last couple of years has fallen from maybe, maybe, uh, you know, 50, 60 bucks a share to, uh, to like five bucks a share or, or well, six, seven bucks a share. Uh, and so if you're following that stock all the way down, putting more and more money into it as it, as it falls thinking, well, it's gotta, it's gotta rebound eventually. It might not, you know, uh, GE, I, I doubt that GE will ever see 50 or 60 bucks a share again in our lifetime. Uh, so, so, you know, dollar cost average into these funds, uh, invest in, in individual stocks if you like, uh, but but limit your exposure into each one. That's great. Well, Joseph, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Sure, um, my pleasure. It was uh, 
you know, truly an honor to, to get to chat with you for a little bit. So thank you very much. And I really do appreciate your time. Excellent. Awesome, man. And uh, to everybody watching and listening, I want to thank you all very, very much. And I will see you on the next episode.